Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 6th of June, 2022, the 7th of Sivan, 5782. Hope you are safe, hope you are doing well in your part of the world. Uh, we're going to get right to it here this morning. We have a very special interview with Dr. Leah Golden. Um, her son, Hadar Golden, was a lieutenant in the Givati Brigade of the IDF, a Jewish patriot, humanitarian, and artist, and only 23, 23 years old when he was killed and kidnapped in Gaza by Hamas terrorists. Uh, this happened on August 1st, 2014, during Operation Protective Edge, two hours after Hamas agreed to a ceasefire. Terrorists ambushed three Israeli soldiers from a tunnel located in the basement of a house in Gaza. The terrorists killed two of the soldiers, Shahadar Golden, a lieutenant in Givati, uh, and kidnapped him. Tragically, Hadar was the victim of the UN and US brokered ceasefire, which was cynically violated by Hamas. Hamas continues, for those who have not heard this story, Hamas continues to hold Hadar's body, presumably as a bargaining chip to extract political and military concessions in future conflicts with Israel. Hamas is also holding the remains of Oron Shaul another soldier who was killed in Operation Protective Edge. And I'm getting this information here from the Hadar Golden Foundation from their website, established uh, in order to try and help to bring Hadar home. And I want to thank you so much, Dr. Golden, for joining us here this morning. Good morning. If you can let, let our audience know First of all, obviously, it's a, you know, it's a terrible, terrible story, and, um, and the people of Israel are with you, and you should know that. Where are your efforts right now? Where are they most focused in order to bring uh, Hadar home? To begin with, our, our efforts are inside Israel, trying to reach our government and uh, our decision makers to bring Hadar home as a confidence-building measure to any any agreement with the with the Gaza with Gaza Strip and with uh, terrorists in general, however we don't we don't have much success up till now. Uh, more frustration as more cycles of, of violence uh, uh, we experience, and another ceasefire is is declared, and more um, more gifts and. Goodies are given to the to the Hamas without even requesting the return of Adar and Doron, which is very frustrating. Now, uh, since Adar was uh, killed in a ceasefire brokered by the United Nations, the United States, supported by the EU, they should be res responsibility for his return. Not just because we think so, but because this is the international humanitarian law, and this is the. UN Security Council Resolution 2474 since 2019, June 11. Now, uh, our, we have just returned from, New York, from the United States and our efforts are more in the United States and in, in the European Union, or generally speaking, to those who provide humanitarian support to Gaza. Because... Uh, Hadar is a victim of a ceasefire, which makes Hadar a humanitarian case study. This means that who, whoever 
provides humanitarian uh, aid to Gaza directly or indirectly, is, is responsible to return Adar and Ron as a confidence building measure to any agreement, commercial agreement, a ceasefire agreement, peace agreement, whatever. So this actually um, is our effort. And recently we've been to the United States, to the State Department, to the White House, and to tell the truth, we get very positive response because all of them are struggling against terror. All of them do not accept the fact of ceasefire violation, and all of them would like to help us to bring Adar home. So you started by mentioning your efforts locally here in Israel. So I want to ask you, and this is not a political question, and I'm not, I'm not asking you, you know, to favor one prime minister over another or one government over another. So this is not, I'm not asking for political reasons, but how has this government been in terms of your plight in bringing Hadar home and how does it compare to past governments? Are we seeing any, you know, any additional progress from this government? Is it the same old situation as the past government? Do you feel that things are getting worse or getting better in terms of the help you're getting here locally in Israel from our elected officials in terms of doing what is necessary and bringing Hadar home? Um, unfortunately, we see no progress during the last uh, seven, uh, seven years and 10 months. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, our political situation is, is a bit complicated. You know, it's like a musical chairs. These are all the same people, same people that were acting on August 1st, 2014. The defense minister, Benny Gantz, was at that time the chief of staff of, of uh, the IDF. He actually sent a dar to Aza during a ceasefire, knowing they are violating every ceasefire. Uh, you have, we had uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who was prime minister, now he's the head of the, of the opposition. Uh, we had Bennett and we had Yair Lapid uh, acting at the cabinet. Um, partners today, the same decision. So it's not, it doesn't make any difference. Those are the same personas. Those are the same personas stuck in a conceptual thinking that the only way to return soldiers is by releasing terrorists, which is not going to happen anymore in our uh, uh, present reality, but they uh, refuse, simply refuse to do what they have to do in order to return Hadar home. On, the only thing they can do is use the leverage of all those good countries that are rushing now after the last war to rebuild Gaza. And Benny Gantz, our defense ministry, actually said, Shint Murachin, um, our, our um, uh, prisoners of, uh, in Gaza for uh, rebuilding Gaza. Unfortunately, we don't see that. We, we, keep, we see whatever is going on into Gaza, how many workers, thousands of workers coming in but still no request to return our boys from Gaza. What can we do to change that reality? I mean, you just mentioned, and people, I've talked about this many, many times on my show before, the fact that Israel, on a daily basis, you can go see it for yourself. You can see the trucks lined up at the crossings into Gaza daily, bringing humanitarian aid. Oftentimes, 
that humanitarian aid is actually hijacked by Hamas and used to build more rockets, dig more tunnels. And this happens on, on a daily basis. Sometimes they'll shut it for a day or two, depending on the, the, you know, the security situation if something happens. But, you know, what can we do to create a change so that we don't see these trucks lining up until, at least until, uh, they bring back our boys? This is what we keep saying uh, for the last uh, seven years. What we needed is a, is a change of attitude. A change of attitude means, which actually um, uh, would actually turn the fact of holding our, 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 our soldiers and citizens by the Hamas as a bargaining chip, turn it from an, from an asset in their eyes to a liability, which means if up till now they were kidnapping our soldiers, and this time we talk about dead soldiers, which is the worst of the worst of, of, of abusing the international humanitarian law and any any values. Uh, uh, this uh, up till now was um, using as a bargaining chip to release sentenced terrorists. But now it's time to 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 flip the equation and actually demand the price from them for for um, uh, holding our boys. And this is very easy because if you just start counting whatever goes into Gaza or whatever um, they, they, they get from the, the humanitarian support, this is according to the law should be used in order to uh, get our boys. And this is the most legal thing to use it as a confident living measure. And we keep saying if um, the trucks that are leading um, Mercedes, Mercedes, not to the poor people, to the to the Hamas leaders. If you only keep on our side, you know, a few of them telling them this is fine. You are getting going to get everything, but please first return our boys. But you know, the craziness is that no one here is actually requesting it or demanding it. Which is this is our main effort. I mean, we had uh, we had great hopes when it, uh, the the new government came in, because we know these um, these people years ago, years ago, and I'm talking a lot of years ago. But unfortunately, nothing has changed. No, de no real decision are made, and it, we we believe, and I think it's not our uh, only us that what happens currently with the Hamas. And 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 the expression of Yichya Sanwar, uh, you know, calling for all the Arab Israeli to take axes and to take knives to kill Jews. This is a direct consequence of his winning. Because while we are talking, and Hadar and Doron are in his hand, he terror wins, and in generally speaking, terror wins. So we have to do something else. Not just for Adar and the road, but for all the Israeli soldiers and for all the citizens in Israel. And let's not forget there are also two Israelis who are believed to be alive now in Gaza as well, who are being held by Hamas. I want to talk about the, uh, the Hadar Golden Foundation. First of all, I just want to make sure this is a, an initiative from your family and others. Yeah, it's an initiative made up by our friends like five years ago or six years ago. Uh, it started with uh, with the motivation to to um, memorize Adar and to uh, promote his uh, exhibition abroad. 
and of course for donation. But as time goes and we see that Hadar is not here, uh, we need more and more external uh, international support, but which in an unbelievable way, we are going to meet personas that shouldn't meet families. They should meet our leaders, you know, and actually run this discussion with them. But um, this is our effort and this is what we are trying to change, um, which we believe will, will change more than just bring our boys home because the ethos of, of our country is no soldiers are left behind. And right. somehow, somehow this is confused by the, a lot of interest, political interest, money interest. You know, we are second generation for me and Simcha of Holocaust survivors. You know, and my mother taught me that money talks. And what we see that is happening with respect to Gaza is money, 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 billions of dollars every month are, are, are providing to Gaza by Qatars, by the donors. And this cannot be, this would not happen without the Israeli consent. So we need Israel to say, this is fine. As we say, we would like to see Gaza like Singapore next to us, but they should obey. They should obey the our moral principle, principles, they should obey our human rights principles, and you know, talking in Israel to, to the to Jewish people, this is our basic value. Chesed Shalemet. What are we discussing here? Here. <clears throat> so on that note, and you know, hopefully this audio, this broadcast, this podcast will will be heard by our leadership. But what can people who are listening, whether they're here in Israel or they're abroad or through the foundation, what can people do to help who find a place in their heart for this very, very important and basic cause, which should be crystal clear to everyone, but unfortunately you've gone through so much over the last uh, seven, eight years. What can people on the ground do to help right now? Okay, uh, you know, we keep, uh, we, we are told, we are hugged by so many people and, and told that we are in their heart. We need them in their mind, you know? We need them, everyone, everyone, whoever, to convey our message either internal Israel, that this is unacceptable, that by almost eight years, our soldiers are not here and they can be returned on a daily, every day. Now, with talking to people outside Israel, we keep saying this is a Jewish, American, international issue. It's a, it's a Jewish value. So wherever there is a Jew, I urge, I urge, I urge them, to, to look around and, you know, either in the first circle on, or the sex, uh, second circle, they will find influential people that can get into these decision makers and tell them, you need to request the return of Adar and Doron. I believe that having the right persona at the right place, pushing the right button will finish our, our, our pain and agony in, in, in two hours. And Leah, how can people reach out to you directly? What's the best way to get in touch with you? And as you said, you want people not just to have Hadar in their hearts, but in their heads. I think that's extremely important. How can people reach you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Not only to show support, but, and give you hugs, but also 
you know, through connections they have, through tachlis, as they say, through practical means in order to influence those who need to be influenced. What's the best way to reach out to you? Um, uh, first of all, the email at the Adar Goldin uh, uh, Foundation uh, gets to me. And, but if you need more uh, privately, it's Leah, L-E-A-H, at goldins.co.il. And, and, for- and really thank you for, for this interview. And I hope this will really promote our, our, our cry and our request to help bring our boys home. So I'm just going to say it again. Go to hadargoldenfoundation.org. You can email Leah by uh, utilizing the email that she gave you. And my listeners, if you want me to put you in touch, if you didn't get that information, <clears throat> send a message, send an email to, to me directly, and I will certainly pass it on. Josh at thelandofisrael.com. I will pass it on and make sure it gets to uh, Leah and Simcha Golden, who till today are still waiting for their son, Hadar Golden, along with Oren Shaul and the other Israelis who are being held by Hamas in, in Gaza. Uh, Dr. Leah Golden, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show today and um, you know, wishing you all the best. And as you said, not only in our hearts, but in our heads as well. I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break, folks, and we're going to be right back for part two of the show. This is Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Again, get in touch with me, folks. Josh at thelandofisrael.com. If you have any connections, if you have any way of promoting um, this very, very important information to bring our boys home from Gaza, um, it's been a really a long time, and it's very, very frustrating. I cannot cannot imagine uh, what the Golans are going through, but just as an average Israeli citizen, knowing that there are trucks today, trucks lined up going into Gaza, and as Leah said, it's about the money. It's about the money trail, and this must stop. I've said it many times on the show, this must stop, uh, at least, at least until those who are being held by Hamas are brought back. At least that, that's a minimum, should be a minimum, minimum requirement um, but we have to let those in charge know how we feel. So don't go anywhere. Coming back for part two of the show, we're going to take a short break and be right back. Enhance your faith. Deepen your understanding. Align your destiny with the land of Israel. Every Sunday, the Land of Israel Fellowship features a live interactive Zoom session hosted by Jeremy Gimpel. That's the Land of Israel Fellowship, bringing the Torah from Judea to the world. For more information, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. And we are back. Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for Monday, the 6th of June, 2022, the 7th of Sivan, 5782. Hope you had a wonderful Shavuot. For those who were celebrating, I'm recording here on a Monday from Gush Etzion. Uh, outside of Israel, it actually is still Shavuot. So for those of you who normally listen to this podcast on Monday, perhaps you are listening on Monday night or on Tuesday for those busy with your Shavuot activities. But I just want to get to some other news here um, out of Israel and the world really, because here you have a story from Reuters 
a gunman uh, attacked a Catholic church in southwest Nigeria during Mass this past Sunday, killing at least 50 people, including women and children, according to a hospital doctor and media reports. Nigeria is battling an Islamist insurgency in the Northeast, and armed gangs who carry out attacks and kidnappings for ransom. These incidents normally take place in the Northwest, but here you have an attack in the Southwest in Nigeria. So my question is, where is the front page headline? You had 50 people murdered in a church. Okay. On the other hand, when an Arab journalist was killed in Janine while covering Israel carrying out anti-terror activities, and at this point we still don't know who was responsible, but I can say with confidence the IDF does not target journalists. I can say that with 100% confidence. That story was in the news for two weeks. Why is the story about 50 people murdered in Sunday in a Sunday mass in a church? Why is that on page 10 of the newspaper? Perhaps, perhaps because the word Israel was not in the headline with the story of the church. But when Israel was in the headline of the Arab journalist killed, and if you want to say it, it's a terrible thing that a journalist was killed, even though she was an anti-Israel journalist, you can say it's horrible that a journalist was killed, but that was in the news cycle, and it's still in the news cycle, and here we are several weeks later. But where is the international community on this church massacre? Where is the UN? Where are the human rights groups? Here is the hypocrisy in real time against the state of Israel. The massacre did not happen here, so it is not in the news, or barely in the news, I should say. The obsession with Israel continues, and the hypocrisy and double standard when it comes to Israel. I saw also, just glanced at the news after Shavuot, different shootings carried out in the U.S., mass shootings, I think at least three over the weekend. Why isn't the world going crazy about that? I understand there's a difference between terrorism and internal shootings within the U.S., criminal shootings. But still, shouldn't violence be violence and murder be murder? But no, if Israel isn't involved, it does not require the U.N. or international groups or even the administration in Washington really to do anything because of this obsession with the Jewish state. And all you got to do, folks, is pay attention to the news and how it's covered and how often, how often Israel's on the front page, whereas when 50 are murdered in mass, it barely, barely deserves or warrants a line item in your local newspaper. Pay attention to it. In other news uh, reported here by Israel National News, Arucheva overnight last night, we're talking about Sunday night Israel security forces carried out counter-terrorism activities throughout Judea and Samaria. A total of 13 individuals, 13 suspected terrorists were arrested, transferred to the security forces for further processing. 
The bottom line is the IDF is active, the IDF is out at night. Many of these cases you don't even hear about, and when major attacks are thwarted, you will not hear about it until weeks later, until it is allowed uh, for publication. But nevertheless, each and every night, the brave men and women of the IDF are protecting us as we sleep, and last night was no different. Times of Israel reports that Israel is considering issuing travel, travel warnings for additional countries amid concerns Iran may seek to attack Israelis overseas, Channel 12 News reported on Sunday. The network, without citing a source, cited fears that Iran may seek Israelis going abroad for the summer as targets for revenge attacks. The network did not specify what nations uh, updated travel advisories could be issued for. And again, I think Turkey is on the list, uh, was put on the list last month, saying there was a concrete threat to Israelis by Iranian terrorist operatives there and in nearby countries. And this, of course, this comes after uh, an Iranian, uh, high-ranking Iranian uh, terrorist was killed when two assailants on motorbikes fired bullets at him. This was several weeks ago. So here you have a top terrorist in Iran killed, Iran threatening revenge, and Israelis perhaps need to be weary as they travel abroad this summer in case Iran decides to take revenge, even though, of course, Israel did not take credit for the, uh, the hit on this uh, terrorist. But, um, but Israelis may, again, need to be weary if, in fact, Iran decides to respond against civilians, which, um, which is something they like to do, carry out terror attacks against civilians all over the world, Iran being the biggest sponsor of terrorism in, and really, probably in world history. Ynet reports here that U.S. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib is lobbying against Israel's inclusion in the Visa wa Waiver Program. The visa waiver program allows foreign citizens to enter the U.S. for 90 days without applying for a visa. Israel has long sought to be part of that program, but has not hit the required benchmarks. So for those of you living in Rashida Tlaib's congressional district in Michigan, this is what she's busy with. Making sure Israeli tourists can't easily come into the U.S. for visiting purposes, to visit their families, um, to go on vacation to spend 90 days or less in the U.S. Right now, if you're an Israeli and you don't have American, uh, you rather U.S. citizenship, you have to apply for a visa. From what I understand, it can take up to a year for approval. So Israel is trying to get into the visa waiver program. And the congresswoman there, part of the squad from Michigan, is busy making sure Israelis can visit. And if you're in her district, again, in Michigan, I would pick up your phone Call your congresswoman, ask what she is doing to benefit Michigan as opposed to her obsession over Israel. There was some sort of study done, I don't have it in front of me, uh, in terms of how much time members of the squad spend on Israel. And it's absolutely disproportionate when you compare how much time they spend on Israel and when you figure in how much time they actually are spending doing their jobs and, t and taking care of their constituents a once again another obsession when it comes to the jewish state 
Um, finally, we'll finish with uh, with this report here, uh, Israel 21C. This is a combination of the amazing things Israel does for humanity. And this is at the same time is a call out to the Israel haters, the BDS haters. Listen to this. Israeli company Watergen has provided one of its water from air generators to a medical facility in the Syrian city of Raqqa, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, R-A-Q-Q-A, in a collaborative partnership with the Multi-Faith Alliance for Syrian Refugee Refugees, a humanitarian organization comprised of faith-based and secular supporters aimed at supplying aid to Syrian refugees. So this company, an Israeli company, Watergen, I've seen this company. I've seen a demonstration. These are huge generators, and these machines make water from thin air. Literally, that's what they do. They make water. Uh, of course, the ongoing civil war in Syria has left 4 million Syrians in internally displaced in the country's northern region where they lack access to clean drinking water, electricity, healthcare, and education. By the way, does the world even talk about this anymore? That war, the one going on in Syria? Once again, the answer is no, because Israel isn't involved. Again, the company Watergen, based in Petah Tikva, manufactures atmospheric water generators that produce clean, fresh drinking water from the moisture in the air without having to connect to a water source. I've seen this. It's unbelievable. Um, the generators use a standard connection to electricity or solar panels and can produce up to 6,000 liters of drinking water per day. 6,000 liters of drinking water. That is what Israel is doing for Syria, um, an enemy country, doing for their civilians, I should say, the civilian population. Uh, I'm surprised. Well, I'm not really surprised. This isn't getting... Uh, more coverage, of course. No, not surprised at all. But this is what we're doing for the people in Syria, an enemy country, providing civilians with water from air. Who's going to give Israel a shout out for this? Uh -huh. You're going to, if you expect a shout out from the squad, you got another thing coming. Uh, or is the world focused on not letting Israelis get visas? Okay, or at least some people there in the U.S. in the Congress. But let me just say this, if you hate Israel so much, okay, and if you are in Syria or if you are dying of thirst in the desert, in either of those cases, if you're an Israel hater, do not drink this water made from air or you are a hypocrite. Go with death. Go with drying out and dying in the desert or as a result of war in Syria. Don't be a hypocrite, folks. Don't drink the Israeli water. Because you are just a hypocrite if you do. If you're a BDS Israel hater, don't drink this water, even if it means dying. Really, if you have a cause out there worth dying for, go all the way. Okay? Don't be a hypocrite. I say this each and every week because each and every week there is another story in which, you know, I discover something new about what Israel's doing to improve the world, to save lives throughout the world. And if you're a true BDS Israel hater, do not use Israeli technology, even if it means giving up your own life. That's my advice to you, to the Israel haters out there. Anyway, folks, that's going to do it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for June the 6th, 2022, the 7th of Sivan, 5782. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. 
Shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does here at the Network Behind the Scenes. Um, coming to you this week again from Gush Etzion, Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, everyone out, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours. Be safe and have a great week. And please, God, we'll talk again next Monday. Shalom, shalom. Have a wonderful week, everybody. The question is, why are the Jews there in the first place? The Jewish people have been yearning to return to their ancient homeland for a long time. The Yishai Fleischer Show, the voice of a new generation of pro-Israel activists. And there's only two kinds of minorities in the Middle East, armed or unarmed. Inspiring minds to think differently. That jihadism doesn't just attack Jews. It attacks Christians, and it mostly attacks Muslims. Inspiration, spirituality, and politics. So first and foremost, this country is here to defend Jewish people and to live in its ancestral homeland. Listen to the Yishai Fleischer Show every week on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.